You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So the reason we played that game tonight, the reason we played that game tonight was to try to demonstrate, to try to demonstrate how each one of us are unique, and how in that situation, there was a task that needed to be accomplished by more than one person with uniquenesses within each one of us. And today, as we're talking about the family of God, the sermon title for tonight is this, We, Not Me. We, Not Me. Where do I Belong. We're going to be talking tonight about what is the family of God, and then what does it mean to have gifts, spiritual gifts, within the family of God. And I want to let you guys know, we are going to hopefully go into the deep end tonight. So I really hope you brought your Bibles. I hope you're ready to go into the deep end with us as we talk about these things. And in fact, if you want to right now flip open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're not going to start there, but we are going to be spending the bulk of our time. We're going to surround 1 Corinthians 12 a little bit, but we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So get that place, but let's start with Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 13 to 19. Ephesians 2, 13 to 19, the Apostle Paul writes this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Whoo! That's a sermon right there. You who once were far away have been brought near. For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which we put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Whoa! There is a ton in here that we don't have the time to unpack all of it, but essentially what Paul is saying is this. Jesus brings us closer to himself Jesus brings us closer to each other, and Jesus makes us a part of his family, or in Paul's language, his household. This was like revolutionary language, because Paul was talking to two groups of people who had over 500 years of racial prejudice and hatred between them. From a Jewish perspective, there were two types of people in the world. There was a Jew and there was a Gentile. Jews were those who were raised on the Torah, who who were Jewish by nature. And then you had the Gentiles. You had everybody else who was non-Jewish. And there was some serious tension between those two groups of people. And it would have been a lot easier for Paul when he started these churches and when he started preaching the gospel 
the story of Jesus to start these little churches that were only Jewish or to start these little churches that were only Gentiles. But Paul understood that Jesus Christ actually has the power through his death and resurrection to not only reconcile us to him, but to reconcile us to each other. Paul says we can have peace with each other. Yes, two groups of people that have racial prejudice or hatred or disgust for each other that lasted hundreds of years could become one. Because Paul said Jesus, through his death and resurrection, was doing something brand new. He was starting a new humanity. He was starting a new group of people called the church, called the family of of God. The Reverend Dr. Derwin L. Gray says this, because Jews and Gentiles are adopted children of God. There's our language from last week. Because we are God's children. They entered a new multi-ethnic family. Old allegiances and prejudices died and alliances with their new family were formed. Paul says to you and I, Our primary citizenship, your primary citizenship is in the family of God. That's the most important allegiance that we have is to God's forever family. You see, our kind of big idea for tonight is this, that the gospel answers the question, where do I belong? By introducing me to the body of Christ, the church, where I discover my spiritual gifts and my spiritual family. But in order to fully experience what God designed for you in bringing you into his family and gifting you spiritually, you have to think in terms of we, not me. You have to think in terms of we, not me. Let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And while you're going there, I really want to answer five questions for us tonight. The first question is, where is the Holy Spirit? How do you get spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts for? What are the spiritual gifts? And what's my spiritual gift? Gift. Question number one, where is the Holy Spirit? First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse one, says this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now Paul's talking about here, it's impossible to authentically and genuinely mean the words Jesus is Lord of your life without the Holy Spirit empowering you. Paul here is alluding to the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. And the reason I think that is because if you just jump back about six chapters, in chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, Paul says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So where is this Holy Spirit that Paul is talking about? 
The Holy Spirit lives inside of every Christian. This is one of my favorite things about being a Christian. And this would be one great reason for you to consider following Jesus. Is as soon as you say, Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit enters your life and you are never alone. Even when you feel alone. And some of you just need to be reminded of that right now. Some of you are Christians, you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you feel lonely at times, and it's okay to feel lonely, but it's important that you remind your feelings of the truth. And the truth is this, that even though you may feel alone at times, the truth is you're never alone because God's Spirit lives inside of you. Number two, how do I get a spiritual gift? So Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts. How do I get a spiritual gift? Let's continue in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then jump over to verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. How do we get a spiritual gift? From the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes and who determines what spiritual gifts or spiritual gift you and I have? Which begs the question, what are the spiritual gifts for? What's, what's their purpose? Well, look at what Paul says in verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this kind of language before, but I've, I've talked with several of you before who, who have talked about people in your life talking about manifesting something. Like they want to manifest something, right? Whether it's like, I remember talking with Emma. Emma and I were talking about um, angel numbers, right? Like, like some people have kind of gotten into these angel numbers where you're like trying to manifest these numbers that bring about you know, good luck or whatever for your life. We're in a culture right now that wants to try to control and wants to try to manifest good things in our lives. But what the Bible says is that it is the Holy Spirit that manifests his work in you. It's not something you earn, it's not something that you're even qualified for necessarily. That God is the one who manifests and distributes the gifts in our lives. And students, here's the reality. There are spiritual gifts in every Christian that the rest of us need. The Holy Spirit wants to offer a gift to his people and to the world through you. So the question is, what spiritual gift has God given you to share with the church and with the world? But in order to understand spiritual gifts, you still have to be thinking, we, not me. I remember one day I was hanging out with um, my friend Malik. And Malik was wearing this really cool shirt, and I had his mom send me a photo. This is Malik right here. Uh, dude, what a, that kid's ripped, like almost like me. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. But there, there, there's Malik. He played for Kaiser football out in Fontana. And look at what it says on the shirt. The motto of the Kaiser Fontana football team is we, not me. How do they win tournaments? How do they win games? How do they succeed as a team? It's not by thinking about me. It's about thinking about we. Which begs the question, okay, so 
So the spiritual gifts are for the common good. They're for other people. They're to serve in God's church and in God's and be a blessing in God's world. What are the actual spiritual gifts? We're gonna look, we're gonna spend a lot of time, in fact, most of our time right here talking about this. Let's go back to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. Now, Remember, God manifests these spiritual gifts in us. They're not something that we manifest. He manifests them in us. But there's two, at least in this list, that tend to be very controversial. And I want to talk about them for a minute. The, The first one, the first spiritual gift that tends to be controversial is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. What is that? Well, Paul answers that for us just two chapters later. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, Paul says this. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So a prophecy is a message that God has given you to build up, to edify, to encourage, to challenge another person. The other spiritual gift that I think gets the most amount of attention, it tends to be the most controversial, is tongues. Is speaking in tongues. When we think about speaking in tongues, there's really two different biblical expressions of the spiritual gift of tongues. The first one is an earthly expression, and then the second one is a spiritual expression. Here's an example of the earthly expression. In Acts chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there, were stay, now, the, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. This is an example of the gift of tongues being used in a way where these people literally had not previously known how to speak another language. And yet God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gave them the ability to speak a language that was not their own that could be understood by others. And God does that. That's an incredible, incredible gift. But tongues is also talked about as a spiritual language in the Bible. Going back to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, Paul says this. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. This biblical expression, this example of speaking in tongues is where a person just begins to have this sort of heavenly spiritual language and conversation with God. And I've never spoken in tongues before, but I know lots of amazing, incredible Christ followers who have that spiritual gift. Now, the gift of, of tongues, just like, I guess, any of the other gifts, but, 
But the gift of tongues can sometimes be manipulated and can sometimes be used in really harmful ways. It can also be used in really beautiful ways. Here's, here's an example of it being used in a harmful way. My wife, um, when she was, uh, when her and I were just friends, we went to this uh, missions conference together and there was like 20,000 people at this conference and, and they had a bunch of breakout sessions. And during one of these breakout sessions, one of the topics was speaking in tongues. And so she went to this specific breakout and they were talking about speaking in tongues and then all of a sudden, the person leading the breakout session said, okay, ready, everybody speak in tongues now. And my wife, Sarah, said everyone in the room just started talking in this kind of gibberish language except her. And it was incredibly disorienting for her. It was incredibly discouraging for her. She felt in that moment all of this shame and all these feelings of maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God hasn't chosen me. You see, rather than the spiritual gift of tongues being taught and mentioned as a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit might give you, it was presented as if this is something every person is going to be able to do. But I've got a lot of good examples of the spiritual gift of tongues. I remember one time I went to this uh, Christian prayer gathering and um, this group of people surrounded me and they all laid hands on me and they prayed for me and they all started speaking in, the, in, in a tongue, in, in some spiritual language that I couldn't understand. But I gotta tell you, it was the most peaceful, encouraging, powerful experience as, as I just sensed that these people we're connecting with God in this really beautiful, special, spiritual gift, Holy Spirit-inspired way and it had a profound impact on me. And so I don't want you to walk away thinking, well, well, the spiritual gift of tongues just doesn't happen anymore because I know a lot of Christians who that is a spiritual gift and maybe even some of you have that gift. Maybe God wants to develop that gift Within you. Well, well, then Paul continues, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So, Paul, as he's continuing to talk about these spiritual gifts, he's reminding us you don't have these spiritual gifts just for you, you have them because you're a part of a body. You're a part of a family. We've said this before there's no such thing as an only child in the family of God. That you are not alone in your relationship with God, but he wants to develop those spiritual gifts for the body. Then he continues, verse 28, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is sort of an interesting moment where scholars have wondered what exactly is Paul talking about when he talks about the greater gifts? Well, if you go to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, at the very end, verse 13, it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Some have debated, is the greatest spiritual gift love? 
is the greatest spiritual gift prophecy? I think the point here is that Paul is trying to say, I desire that you would desire with good motivations to have spiritual gifts to be a blessing to your church and to your world. But it's all about the motivation of your heart. I thought about not telling you guys this story, but I think I should. Several years ago, um, it was actually Forest Home. Several years ago. So I, I got saved at Forest Home. I, that's where I became a Christian, was up at Forest Home Camp where we're going to go uh, for summer camp. And I love Forest Home. It's an amazing place. It was such an important part of my faith story growing up. Several years ago, Forest Home reached out to me and said, Eric, we would love for you to be one of our camp speakers. And I got to be honest with you guys. I got to confess to you guys that when I got that email, the first thought in my head wasn't, man, what an awesome opportunity for me to be a part of what God's doing at Forest Home. It wasn't, oh, I can't wait to be a part of how God wants to work in the lives of others. My first sinful thought was this. Wow, I got asked to speak at a camp. I feel better about myself. My, my first feeling, if I'm confessing to you guys, was, wow, I feel better about myself because this camp asked me to speak. So they asked me to kind of fill out this survey and to give them these answers and to submit a video teaching. And, and I did all that stuff. And I was already getting excited about this camp reaching out to, I just, I, it inflated my ego. I felt better about myself. And then on a Wednesday night, right before coming to youth group, I got an email from Forest Home that said, Eric, I'm sorry to let you know you've been rejected as one of our speakers. And I instantly went from feeling really, really good about myself to feeling really, really bad about myself. And it just so happened that that night at HSM, I was preaching on spiritual gifts. I was preaching on the gifts having a purpose, and that is for the common good, to build others up. And I felt like what God was telling me is, Eric, your motivations are not in the right place. You don't want to speak at this camp to be a part of what I'm doing. You want to speak at this camp because it makes you feel better about yourself. And that was a really hard lesson to learn. And then six months later, Forrest Home reached out to me again, and they're like, Eric, they're like, Eric, we'd love for you to be considered as one of our speakers. And I thought, this is just punishment and cruel. Like, what are you doing? Like, you already rejected me. Why are you doing this again? So I sent him the exact same answers that I sent the first time. I sent him the exact same video teaching. And then several weeks after, they wrote back, they're like, we'd love to have you. And I was just like, it was a mind blowing, but, but I was in a totally different place. And you see, when it comes to spiritual gifts, the question I want to ask you is this. And this is especially for those of you that have been following and walking with Jesus for a while. For those of you that would consider yourself Christians, maybe deep-end Christians, I want to ask you this question. Are you desiring a specific spiritual gift for the common good or for personal gain? Do you want the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of healing so that you'll feel better about yourself like I did? 
Or is your heart's desire that God would spiritually gift you by the power of his Holy Spirit in a way that you could be a blessing, in in a way that you could impact and serve the common good? So just in summary, here's the spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And and they're on your sheet that you have, the spiritual gifts. And we're going to go through the other ones really quickly. They're on your sheet. And the ones that are colored in orange, those are the ones that are unique to that passage. Or or unique. And if they're the only ones mentioned, they're only mentioned once. And they're recorded there. Let's go to the next ones real quick. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 to 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do that cheerfully. Mel, could you skip down to the very last slide that has all the spiritual gifts on it? It has the, um, yes, thank you, Mel. That these four passages, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, classically get coined as kind of these spiritual gifts passages. And again, like I said, the ones that are highlighted in orange are uniquely mentioned in those passages and only in those passages. I want you to take a minute now and I want you to look at those lists of spiritual gifts and ask the question, which one of those do I think God's given me? Because here's the thing, he has equipped you. Some of you, it is like just breathing for you to be encouraging. And maybe you've wondered, man, why is it just so easy for me to encourage my friends? It's probably because you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. For some of you, it's just you're, you're just aware of like, you, you can see a mile ahead how if you make this decision or that person does that, it's going to end in a train wreck. Maybe God's given you the spiritual gift of wisdom. That maybe, and Josh Tatum has, where's Josh Tatum? Where's Josh Tatum? Where is he? There he is. Josh Tatum has a, tr- he has all the gifts, okay? He's basically Jesus. So he has all the gifts. He has all the gifts. I ask Josh often, I go, I go, you know, the Bible says that we, you know, could be entertaining angels without knowing it. I ask Josh all the time, I go, just whisper that you're an angel. Just, I won't tell anybody, I promise. I won't tell anybody, just, just whisper. Anyway, anyway, Josh has a lot of spiritual gifts, but one of Josh's gifts is helping and serving. That you'll see him here early serving and he's smiling He probably has the gift of serving or helping. Maybe for some of you, it's teaching. It's having faith. I don't know what it is, but I wonder what yours are, which leads to our last and five, uh, our, our last big idea or big question. What are my spiritual gifts? That's a question after this message you should be asking yourself. What are my spiritual gifts? The first thing I would say is pray and ask God to show you which gifts he's given you. That's why I gave you this cheat sheet so that you could look at this and ask the question and, and pray 
and seek God and say, God, which of these spiritual gifts have you given me for the common good? Not for my own gain, but for the common good. The next thing I would encourage you to do is to ask your Christian friends, to ask your family, to ask your life group leaders to share what spiritual gift they think you might have. Maybe that's one thing you could do during life group tonight is go around and share, hey, what do we think our spiritual gifts are? Listen to the body of Christ. But here's your next two steps. Next step number one is this. Take the online spiritual gift survey at Purpose Church. So we have an awesome online spiritual gift survey. And again, it's a survey. It's not a test. It's not guaranteed. It's not God's word. It's just going to help give you a better understanding of what your spiritual gift or gifts might be. And you can find that at purposechurch.com serve. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is to start serving in a Sunday ministry at Purpose Church that aligns with your passions and gifting. Abby, you serve in kids, right? Kids ministry? Yeah, you serve in kids. Abby, Abby, Abby loves teaching people about God's word. Whether she's on an urban missions trip with Angelica leading her to Christ or whoever it is, she loves talking about God's word. Her and I get in little Instagram debates about Bible translation. You're the only person I do that with. She loves it. So it makes sense that she's serving in a capacity, in a place, in a situation that matches her gifting. That's what I want to encourage you to do. And so I want to invite all of you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. I want you to pray this prayer after me. In fact, I want you to pray it out loud with me. God, would you give me the spiritual gifts I need to be a blessing to my spiritual family and to your world? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these students. And I ask that you would help them, that you would equip them, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would develop in them the spiritual gifts that you have given them for the common good because they belong to your family. Amen.